0: And welcome to the One Broke Actress Podcast. The One Broke Actress Podcast. The The One One Broke Broke Actress Actress Podcast. Podcast. This is the podcast giving you an honest account of actor life. I mean, can we just be honest for a second? Plus a few lessons I learned in the process. This is what I'm saying. Nobody knows anything. I'm your host, Sam Valentine. Okay, guys. I'm going to be honest with you. I have uh, recorded about 17 intros so far. And every time I click record... I feel some weird pressure to say goodbye for the season or do something really grandiose and goodbye and sad and blah, 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 but we're just not going to do it because it's really not working. It's not fitting the vibe. So here's what's going on. (laughs) This is the last episode of season four. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is one of my favorite episodes of the season and you're soon going to find out why. Before I tell you why, I have to say thank you so much for tuning in all season long. We have hit more listeners than we ever have before. And you right at home sharing it with your friends and fellow actors has been incredible. I've gotten some amazing emails and texts and and messages and things like that. And I just have to say thank you because you're all helping to make this community feel a little more insular uh, to people like me. So... That's my little spiel to start you out, and uh, I'll give you all the extra stuff at the end of the podcast, so listen through all the way to the end, because why not? It's the last episode, but like I said, I saved one of the best for last, because this episode, this interview with Lynn Chin, hit home for me in so many ways. I found Lynn's podcast, God, forever ago, um, and it was called The Actor's Diet, based on her original blog from back in the day, and... I was so honored to get to meet her eventually. And then to have her in my home and record my podcast was was really special to me. She really opens up about the truth in the industry, in standards, in beauty, in weight, in size, and so much more. And it was such a cool conversation to have with someone like her who has done so much and is now even making her own work. She is also an advocate for eating disorder awareness, and she does a lot of work talking about it. And I think it's something, especially for a lot of the women listening and for men too, uh, there is so much pressure about ourselves and our bodies. And we really talk quite a bit about that today. And not just that, we also talk about how she started her blog uh, back in her early days, uh, how she got her first jobs, the standards of the industry, how it's more normal to be not working than it is to work and her journey of getting her career in motion after a time of stillness. These are all things that I needed to hear, and I think a lot of you will need to hear them too. So please enjoy, and stick around to the end of the episode for some wrap-up announcements. But ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please enjoy Lin Chin. The thing I'm starting to ask people this podcast season, to kind of start with a different question, is when do you remember first being interested in acting?
1: Since I remember remembering, (laughs) Um, I started acting before I could even process what was happening. So my mom was a, she was a ladies chorus member at the Metropolitan Opera House. She got the job when I was born. She calls me her lucky charm. Wow. Because she was going to be a solo singer. And then I was born and they were so broke. And she auditioned for the Metropolitan Opera House ladies chorus, got it, and worked there for 30 years. Wow. So she, um, that was like her her job. And um, I was in the children's chorus with her. Uh, even before children were allowed to be in the chorus, she was already, because my brother was in it, and okay. so... I think I might have been like one of the youngest members. How old were you? I was four or five. Oh my God. Um, I made my, my debut on the stage when they had the ballet come in. The so the Bolshoi Ballet came in and Rudolf Nerev, uh was in town and they were like, we need a young child who's here during the summer, whose parents will bring them in and they will just stand on the stage and watch him sweat. And that's my first memory is like him like leaping in the air and his sweat hitting the Marley and just like being like and hot lights on me and holding some ballerina's hand and just being like these tights are itchy. <laughs> like what <laughs> a way to that's, kick that's it off, dude. Yeah. So I had done that up until like and then I was singing and I was performing in it and I did that up until I was 11 or 12 and, and this was all in New York. Is that where you yeah. always okay So we lived in New Jersey. I grew up in New Jersey, and we just went back and forth. And you know what? I loved Annie like any other little kid (laughs) who who loved musicals during that time and was always singing and performing, and I I just loved it. Um, And my parents trotted me out like the little star I was, like Lynn's (laughs) going to sing tomorrow now, and I just did it. Um, And then at a certain point, I was really tired. It was around the time I was doing South Pacific at the New York City Opera, Wow. And
0: so you were I, kind of big league as a kid.
1: I was doing some big stuff. Yeah, I like started off professional right away. Wow. I wasn't like, I wasn't doing the small stuff like in my school actually because um, there was a part of me that was a little embarrassed By it like I didn't want to audition for the school solos or the play because I didn't I knew everyone already knew I was leaving to go rehearse and do matinees and I didn't want to be like and now I'm going to come back and take over the school so I just sort of stayed quiet about that but you know I was a bit of a loner in in school so I like at a certain point when I was missing so much school For my matinees and rehearsals, I just said to my parents around fifth grade, I was like, "I just want to go to like, you know, I want to go to birthday parties because they already were like, (laughs) you can't go to you can't go to birthday parties, you can't go to kickball after school, you have to do this because you're catching up on homework." And I didn't have a social life, so I I told them I wanted to do that, and they let me. Uh, And then (laughs) I was watching like the school play my junior my sophomore year, and I thought to myself, "Hey." I want to do this too. So I auditioned for the school play the next year. And you know how you kind of have to like pay your dues mm-hmm. in high school? Like like from junior high, you start off as like the mushroom. And right. Some You're play like basically then, set
0: decoration. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> but I, I went in there and I got the lead. And I think...
0: People How many friends really did you make by me? doing that?
1: <laughs> but I will <laughs> tell you that seeing my name on that sheet uh-huh. that time, because I really did not expect to. When I saw my name on that sheet, I'm still chasing that feeling. <laughs> I, I know. I know exactly what you it mean. Has never gotten any better. <laughs> That's the hot, you guys. If you're moment. in high school, this is as
0: good as it gets. <laughs> because it was like you had to wait to like read it on the sheet, post it on the board. And and everyone g- was there to oh see it. God. I could not. And it's and like it was that scene really- in Legally Blonde where she finds out in front of her ex-boyfriend that she got the internship.
1: But it was really, it was like it was also the combination of like I didn't really care, but I cared, mm-hmm. but. And then, like, I wasn't really trying, but I was trying. It was, like, the perfect combination of everything we want today uh-huh. um, that we can't get. We're trying to figure <laughs> that out, that magic formula. So, yeah, I did the school play for the next two years. My teacher in school basically pulled me aside and gave me the whole, like, you got it, kid, talk. and um, It wasn't
0: I, like a performing arts school. It was just a regular, no. regular middle school. It was school, a regular school.
1: public school school. Um, And then I went to college, and right away, I was like, I'm going to be a theater music double major. I thought I was going to go do musical theater. And week one, (laughs) I took my first, like... Where did you go to school? I went to Wesleyan in Connecticut. And I took my first intro to theater class. And the second it became academic, and they were telling us about dramaturgs and about... uh, how we were going to have to pay our dues and take basic production techniques. I was like, boring. I hate this. I want to do drugs. I can talk about that. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. I want to do fucking drugs. I, I feel like, to, like that's what people like, do in college is they
0: get yeah. crazy shit
1: out of their system. Yeah, exactly. It was like my version of like, I want to play kickball after school. <laughs> Instead, I was like, I was doing the college version. I want to get drunk that's and high. Very easy. And studio. I do <laughs> not want to like, I don't want acting to be hard. Uh-huh. You know? And so for I dropped the major, and my dad said, you cannot just be a music major. I refused to let that happen. Was it
0: going to be musical theater?
1: It was going to be music, and... Theater, and theater, double okay. major. I don't know why he thought like having two useless majors was better than <laughs> just having one. But in his head, I think he like was like, my bragging rights aren't very good if it's just music. Uh-huh. So I ended up being a music and women's studies double major. Okay, that was also very impractical. <laughs> Did nothing with either. You also minor in communications. So what <laughs> else are you doing? Um. Yeah. So then, when I graduated from college, uh, immediately I worked, um. I'm, like, giving you so
0: much more information No, than you this is what No, this is the jam. This is how we always start. This is the best.
1: Um, uh, after college, when I first graduated, I was like, I'm going to be an actor again. Like, this is my time. And I was like, what do actors do? I, li- I moved to New York City. I'm like, they waitress. So I went <laughs> and I got a waitressing <laughs> job. That summer was the summer of sex in the city. All the ladies were... Ordering their pink cosmos oh in their God. martini glasses. It's so funny, Sid, because I
0: just had someone on the podcast uh, yesterday who was a bartender in Chicago. Uh-huh. And his name is John Crowley. And he uh, talked about that same time in Chicago. And he was oh, like, really? I was so over making those goddamn cosmos.
1: <laughs> well, I was so over <laughs> carrying them to the table. The worst, that is the most hard, unimportant glass, hard to, hard to carry multiple, uh, glasses of martini glasses, um, to, to through a very crowded bar Mm -hmm. to a table of ladies. And so I hated it and was like, well, I guess I can't be an actor because I can't really cut this waitressing thing. Um, so I ended up that summer, I was like, even though I'm making a lot of money at night in cash, I cannot do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up taking the only job that I could think of, which was in a school. And once oh, wow. you're, like, once I was working in the school, um, I was working as the assistant to a principal. And so it was a very administrative nine-to-five job, and it had, it had great benefits. It was really steady, and it was safe. Mm-hmm. It was really safe. And I did that for two years, and at the end of that, second year, I was like, my soul, my soul is dead. What am I going to do? I'm gonna, not going to become principal. They're not going to just let you become principal. You don't become principal after being the assistant to one. It's like not like that. And it just felt I had saved up enough money, and I ended up going to a, um, an intensive acting workshop that summer. And right after that, I booked my first job on Law & Order, got my SAG card, and it, that's been it.
0: Oh my God, you are consistently the new kid in high school who books the lead. That's so annoying. You booked, Did you said, book your, was that your first audition? No, no, no. I okay. went through
1: like a, a several.
0: I, I've, you're
1: not going to feel, like, you're going to feel skim, sorry for don't me. Don't skim on that stuff for me. That's what I <laughs> because, like. Because I think it's funny, like when I was thinking about doing this podcast, I was like, I really hope someone listening to this isn't like, and that's how you do it. <laughs> Because <laughs> I remember hearing those stories or reading those stories at the time because there really weren't that many podcasts. Actually, there were There's zero. There were none. Unfortunately. And, um, and just like reading someone's story about how they, it really seemed like they were an overnight success and just kept going. Because my story is actually coming out hot <laughs> and falling so deep. It's so funny you say that because I remember so
0: specifically, I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast before, that I, when I was a kid, my dad would like save any article in the newspaper that had to do with uh, acting or like an actress, no matter who it was. And he would always give it to me. And there was one from, uh, I think it was Melissa Joan Hart, when she did like Clarissa Explains It All. Or was that, wait, am I yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was talking about how she got in that show was so big. And I was like, oh my gosh, so cool. And how she got that audition, how she got Sabrina the Teenage Witch and like all this stuff. And I was, I read the article probably 700 times. I probably destroyed the paper reading it, trying to understand. I was like, so she wanted to be an actor. So she went to auditions. I was like, how do you get auditions? I don't understand how you be an actor. Like, how do I get an audition? I live in, you know, Missouri. Like how do I, I didn't understand. And no one tells you. Mm -hmm. And there was nothing at that time. There was no resources to be like, how do I do this? Nor was there anyone to tell me, hey, how she does this is not going to be how you do it. And so that's why I love this platform. So what? bring it to, bring it home to me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, things were going pretty well for a while. And I was a very determined student, even though I didn't want to major in it. I was really good at the business side of things pretty early on, just because, like, I was... I was really hungry for it, and mm-hmm. I was really like, I, I wanted to do X, Y, Z to get there. So I sent out all the postcards. I dropped off my headshot everywhere. I did my log, you know. Uh-huh. I, I. And this um,
0: was for our timeline. This was right after you booked Law and Order. This right is after like, I you're booked like, Law and you're Order. jumping off
1: point. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it felt really much like a lot like my career just kept growing and growing and growing. The way I thought. One's should career be, right? should, yeah. yeah. I would like level up to another agent and manager that was bigger up until the point where my big big moment was the year two thousand four ish, when um, I was simultaneously on all my children for a year as a recurring role, and I was testing a whole bunch. Like I kept getting flown out from New York to test in L.A. That
0: feels pretty cool. It
1: felt amazing. And then, um, I ended up How long have you been... How long
0: since you had quit the principal
1: job? Like, how long was this, like, you were, like, gunning and gunning for? About four years. Okay. Um, and so... really short timeline. Yeah. Really. Like, when I look back, I'm like, who's that girl? (laughs) I would love four (laughs) years of that trajectory. Who's that girl? Who's that? Who's that successful (laughs) little lady? Um, and yeah, it felt, it felt great. And, um... I, uh, I had booked my biggest role to date still, uh, which was one of the leads in a Sony Pictures Classics movie called Saving Face. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Sony Pictures Classics at the time, but it was produced by Will Smith's production company, Overbrook. And they really put me through the ringer doing that audition. Um, I had to lose weight for it because I was playing a ballet dancer. Oh. And to this point... I had never had, okay, I had eating issues, but I didn't Mm -hmm. know they were eating issues. I was a binge eater. Okay. But I didn't know that that was an eating disorder. I don't think anyone called it
0: I'm so excited to talk about this.
1: (laughs) This has not been something I've had a chance to talk
0: about on the podcast before, and it's something I've struggled with my entire life. Okay. And I'm very open about it, and I'm so down to just have a conversation. Because you don't know... You never. You no one ever talks about certain. They're like, oh, anorexic, bulimic. Like there's like two types, and you're either one or the other, and it's very
1: obvious. You're so thin and wavy and it's like, it's so much more complicated than that. Oh my God, food, a relationship with food. We are going to talk about that. I'm so excited. Um, Okay, so so up until this point, you'd had. I had emotional eating issues, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know that's what that was. As I said, I was a woman's studies major in college and we studied eating disorders and never once did we talk about binge eating as a disorder. We talked about binge eating and purging, Mm -hmm. uh, which is bulimia, as an eating disorder, but for me... My actually my reaction of binge eating came out a lot of my defiance of like, well, you're not going to give me an eating disorder, so if you're going to tell me I gained the freshman 15, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a feminist, and I'm going to just keep <laughs> eating. Ha! Take that. I'll show you. Oh, my God, my stomach hurts. I really feel sick, but I'm not going to throw it up because that would make me bulimic, and I'm not going to be bulimic. Because I'm a feminist. Because I'm a feminist. <laughs> All of this shit is going on in my head, mm-hmm. and basically – you know, I was at the point where, like, I knew that I wasn't as skinny as everyone else, and I took that as a point of pride. Like, you know what? Fuck your rules. Fuck fuck you, Hollywood. Like, I'm going to be the size I am. I'm not going to be, like, a skinny, skin, skinny string bean. Like, all, Especially, like, as an Asian woman, you're expected to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were just so many of us during that time, and most of them did kung fu. So um, I was not like everyone already. And so when this part came up, and oh. they were like... You got to, you got, you have to lose weight. Uh, you're playing a ballet dancer. Sorry, and Willow, hey, knock it off. Thank yeah, you. I know Willow. It's, a, it's was a horrible thing for them to do. You but know, she's she's in
0: this conversation because we cut
1: her food recently on a diet, and she's very hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so they basically, before I got the part, they were like, "Listen, you are the front runner. We need you to lose weight." And we don't and they were awesome. They were like, we don't want you to do it unhealthfully, so we're gonna give you time. You know, this has been months. Okay. And at first it was done healthfully. Were you were you comfortable with this? Did you feel like
0: it mattered for the role? Like what kind of context? And who got who told you that?
1: The information? Both the director and the casting director. Okay. Um, and they by then you met them several times yeah. and you had a rapport. As the story goes, um, the day I went in for my audition, which was for the director and the casting director, they knew I was the part, but um, I was like 10, 15 pounds too heavy mm. to play a convincing the ballet dancer. is dance, a so.
0: very specific body yeah.
1: type. So um, they kept auditioning other women, but, you know, they kept like being like, you're the one, you're the one, just like get there. And literally up till the week and a half before I was cast, they really like, put me through it. Um, I had to, I already had the part, I had screen tested and uh, done a chemistry read with the woman who was already cast, Michelle Kruzik. And um, they like, had me do like, a whole full on like, Vogue type shoot, like, where they styled me and like, had me like, pose and like, had this Vogue photographer come and take photos of me. Actually, I would love to see those photos now that I'm thinking about it. Just to show the producers and the investors like, she can do this. She's ready. Because I was, I had never done a movie before. This is my first feature film. so That's like,
0: really cool they put that much time and effort. I don't feel like that happens as, no, anymore. No. Um, did you, during that time period, before they told you that, did you feel, did
1: you read the role and think like, oh, I'm not right for this, or oh, I need to be thinner? Did that cross your brain at all? I had already known this because I had been working on a soap opera for the past year. Okay. So that was already like my first like, Oh, when I saw myself on camera, I would be like, I'd do a little, like, double take and be like, "Oh, I don't like what I see. But the feminist in me was like, it's okay, it's okay, it doesn't matter, nobody's telling you to lose weight. And so when I heard those words for the first time, it was like the, oh, God, it's happening, it's happening. But at the same time, I was like, but I get it, but I get it, it's for a role, like, I don't remember like if Christian Bale was doing it or Tom Hanks but like you know I got it I got, I understood that that's what actors did for for their roles and I took it seriously and you know during that time it wasn't it wasn't unhealthy mm-hmm. um, I had a my best friend Christy Myers still one of my best friends is a holistic health counselor and also an actor and she helped put me on a on a diet that um, of whole foods, and um, I stopped binge eating cool. out of stress, and I exercised for the first time ever. Oh, wow, um, okay. I had never exercised before that. So, you know, the weight came off pretty uh, steadily, easily, mm-hmm. um, healthfully, but it wasn't until after we finished filming, um, a year later, actually not even a year later, like the months that followed, my trajectory was like... You know, doors were opening. Absolutely. There was a lot of buzz about the movie. It was going to Sundance. It was going to Toronto. It got bought by Sony Pictures Classics. Um, I got an amazing manager. Um, It seemed like everything was happening. And that's when I moved out to L.A. because the advice I kept getting was, you keep flying out to test. The networks, they won't have to pay for you to fly out. You'll just book your first pilot. still waiting for that, (laughs) by the way. I'm still waiting. Did you Um, film that movie in New York? Yes. So I filmed that movie in New York and we ended up moving out to LA um, after it came out. And, you know, like the, I will say the, the pressure, the pressure that came not, it wasn't really from um, my managers or from studio people or, or anything like that, but it came more in the form of Um, message boards and fans who would just be like oh you look different it was it was too difficult to keep things up did you the way they were before yeah
0: did you uh when you got done with the film did you feel like that was like your film lifestyle and now you were kind of conveniently moving into your own type of lifestyle especially with the move
1: that's very hard it was a lot plus I didn't still didn't know how to not um, balance my emotions without turning to food. Mm-hmm. So food was my everything. Food was my comfort. Food was my punishment. Food was, like, everything. And so um, it was really, like, a very confusing, tumultuous time for me. Um, I ate when I was stressed. I ate when I was happy. You know, I, I ate whenever I wanted to. And I, it was all under the guise of, I just love food. Mm-hmm. But um, but really, I just, like, didn't know how to manage or feel my emotions. And with the ups and downs of the success of the movie and then um, subsequently, like, not booking. Like, what's wrong with you that you're not booking? And um, I was still working, but um, it just wasn't clicking. Yeah. And I wasn't clicking. And I was so uh, emotional during that time because it's a lot. It's a lot to, like... I remember the saddest I've ever been was when I went to Sundance and there was all this possibility, you know, and we were going to all these swag rooms and everyone was taking my picture and they were saying, like, all these nice things. And uh, my husband was with me and my sister-in-law was with me. So I had my little entourage and my manager was with me. Mm -hmm. And it felt really like possibilities are, are endless. And I remember they left... Um, they left a day early, all of them. And I was in my giant suite in, in Park City by myself with all my shit, you know, all my clothes, all the stuff. All, all the stuff. And I had never felt more lonely in my life. Oh. And I remember thinking, I get it. I get why Ben Affleck drinks. I get it now. <laughs> like, because I didn't want that high to go away. And I knew that, I knew that when I went home with all my stuff, that like nobody would care. Yeah. And and well, everyone like, kept asking, what's next? What's next? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's the thing about the actor job is it's always you hit these peaks and then it's like, and and where do you go from here? And it's like, well I go home and I have to audition again. And I, don't, I have to I don't know.
1: Literally take these clothes and figure out where to put them. <laughs> so much so many new grocery bags. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the the years that followed. Sorry. I'm going to let you ask questions. No, no, no.
0: I love this. I love this because this is something you don't get to hear about because I have a lot of actors on who have had some really good successes and sometimes this is the stuff that gets forgotten about because they get to, you know, we're living in this exciting moment. So like we don't really remember what the low moments feel like, but this is I think the part that no one talks about that we should talk about a whole lot more because I know so many actors who have some sort of substance abuse problem and... Alcohol is very common and very socially acceptable. Drugs are a whole nother one. And food is a huge one, and especially for women. And there was a time uh, I spent – I've had issues with food my whole life, but I the first time that I got removed from a set, and I wrote a whole article about it, um, and they told my agent that I was too thick and they had to replace me. And I was like, well, I, it was like everything that I had always thought in my brain came out of someone else's mouth. And I was like, oh, no. Like this is where the mountain crumbles. And that point, I'd, uh, it was just a really scary place to be. And so to have that on top of, like, you changed your life for this movie. And then you did it. And then your life changed. And so did you feel like you had to maintain this sort of highbrow lifestyle? Like, what was your day-to-day life like at that point?
1: My day-to-day life was very normal. It was more like keeping up appearances, and actually Mm -hmm. during that time, I I started a podcast before like anyone else was doing podcasts. It was a precursor to my blog, Um, and it still is on iTunes. I don't think it. it, I don't think it is. It's called Actors Off. Oh, oh, I don't know that one. Yeah, it was about what working actors do when they're not working. Uh, I interviewed a lot of awesome people uh, that year, actually, because nobody knew what a podcast was. Yeah, they were probably so confused. Does it exist anywhere now? I don't think so. Because we couldn't keep the site up, and then you know, iTunes just took it off. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But it was me and my friend Christy, the holistic health counselor, just interviewing actors about what they do, because I wanted to feel like – Oh, this is normal. Like, actually not working is more normal than working. Yes.
0: Oh, my God. I want to listen to this podcast so Maybe bad. I can dig it. Up. I have, if I have you them find on find it, CDs let me know. Somewhere. I want to listen to it. Oh, my God. I want to see it. Well, I yeah. to find a CD player.
1: <laughs> but um, what I found out that year of of interviewing people was the people who were huge successes, who had been in the business for decades, who, like, were continually working, I always asked the same question, which was, what's the longest you've ever been without Without a paying job, and the people who had been in the business forever would say, "Um, not long, like a year, year and a half." And the people who were new to the business, and by new, I mean I'm saying like two or three years, were uh-huh. like, "It has been six months. <laughs> I'm dying." Um, and that just relaxed me so much. You know, it just made me realize, "Oh, I'm in this for the long haul, mm-hmm. and this is okay." But I couldn't. You know, it, it's it's funny sitting here today, um, I still feel like, you know, I have a lot of friends who've quote unquote made it, who are huge stars. And I've watched, I've come up with them. I've watched them go. We've gone through it. And I'm very happy for them because I've seen them struggle. But from my eyes, it still looks like, oh, I can see their trajectory. I still see like, what I saw of myself back in the day of, like, Mm -hmm. this climbing of the mountain. Of course, they get rejected. Of course, like, they have had a lot of disappointment. Of course, really shitty things have happened to them. Um, But You you keep seeing them, like, move up the ladder. And sometimes when I look at my own career, I'm like, I guess that's true, but it sure doesn't feel like it. You know, Mm -hmm. when you're in it, you like really don't feel like it, especially when you don't have another project that's coming up. Yeah. You can really just feel like, well, that's it. Back to nothing again.
0: It often feels like your next job is your last job. Yeah. Which is a scary feeling and people don't talk about that very much. So what, what was your next job then? You came home from this success. Did you feel like it was the next bigger thing or did you feel like you kind of had to find a new homeostasis of your career?
1: I, um, I actually worked quite a bit, but my managers were not happy with me. Because um, your IMDb is pretty stacked. It, it, I, was, I was really upset because I actually did get that conversation from one of my managers in the middle of one of my years. Um, it was after I did Numbers, mm-hmm. and the I'll never find out about this. Maybe <laughs> one day I'll meet a producer, but... <laughs> It was a rumor that I was supposed to be a love interest for David Crumholtz, And I, um, it was like a maybe recurring role. It was actually, was it? I think I think it was my first audition in LA and I booked it. Yeah, it was. I, I'm pretty oh. sure it was. Good thing I already like you so much. <laughs> <all right? laughs> and, uh, well, <laughs> well... Um, <laughs> I remember I got it and then I was so stressed and I didn't know how to deal with my emotions that I, I ate so much that week. I binged so much that week that I couldn't fit into my dress oh God. anymore between the fitting and the shooting. And I remember when I saw the actual um, tape of it that I was like, oh, it, I don't look so bad. I, I think I look fine, actually. And that night I got a call from my manager. And he said, I am so sorry. I hate having this conversation. But we think you don't look the part of an ingenue, the part of a someone who should look that way. And um, you need to lose weight again, Lynn. And when I heard the words... Suddenly I was like, I don't know what to think. I don't, I'm like, have I been deluding myself? And also there was a part of me that was like, did I shoot myself in the foot? Like mm. by, um. By being by, so thin in the ballerina movies? No, is no. Was? By, by eating so much during oh. that, um, during that time, like between the fitting and the shooting, it was my anxiety. That's why I was doing it. But like, you know, looking back at it now, I can see what it was, which was, I didn't think I deserved it. The second I found out, I heard, oh, possible recurring role, possible love interest, possible like, you know, Uh bigger, bigger, bigger deal, deal, more, more to deal with. I was like, no, I'm going to make sure this actually doesn't happen subconsciously. Uh, There's an imposter syndrome is huge. Yeah. I feel like everyone goes through
0: it and no one can put the words to it.
1: So you know <laughs> what it did was you- a lot it was a lot of that i I ended up um that was when my eating disorder started getting really bad because it was it was a number of um that those those two i think it was like a year and a half that that followed i I was still working I, I probably booked like a job every couple months mm-hmm. like and um which is I great thought, and 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 I was also like testing for things still I thought I was doing great and I get a call one day, um, also that whole year, um, my eating disorder was like in the form of I would binge really badly and then I would starve myself for a week to mm-hmm. balance out the binge. And I knew I was in over my head, but I could not stop. And I was going to eating disorder specialists. I was going to ask what kind of help you looked for. I like my husband, I told him, his parents I told, my family I told, his parents are therapists like. And you guys were married when you moved out here? Yes, at that point we were already married. So, like, we were really working on this. And it was, like, it just felt like four steps forward and, like, 12 steps Uh. back. It just felt like I just kept falling off the wagon. I just couldn't get a hold of it. And um, one day I get a phone call, and it's my manager's, and they said, Hey, um," and I'd gotten a letter from my then agent, and it said, like, we are not going to represent you anymore after this year. Um, and when my managers called, I thought they were going to call to talk to me about that. Instead, they said, and we're also letting you go too. And when they said that, because um, I had also like been doing everything that I thought I should be doing. I Every time they told me to... Um, take a class with someone, I did. Uh, Every time they told me to get headshots with someone, I did. I was always on time. I always was memorized. I always like, I I did everything I thought I should be doing. Um, And I was like, yes, I was like horribly in my eating disorder, but I was still maintaining the weight that they quote unquote thought was acceptable. Uh So I was just like, when they told me that, I crumbled to the floor and was on the floor and I felt like I can't do this anymore. It reminded me of when I was watching the Olympics that summer and I saw the second long distance runners cross the finish line and they like collapsed on the floor. And you know, like, they'll run again. They'll be fine. (laughs) But right now they cannot do do anything. They can't even stand up. They can't even walk over and sit. That's how I felt. And so there was a part of me that's like, I know I still want to act, but right now, I just can't fucking do it. Did they can't do it. Did they
0: give you some reasoning? Was it because you didn't book enough? Did they have some sort of standard?
1: Or was it because they... I didn't even ask because I crumbled to the floor, <sighs> and I already knew it in my heart, and I, all, all, I, all I managed to mutter in my <laughs> state was, oh, okay. And then I hung up, and my husband said to me, we're going to wine country. <laughs> <laughs> And at that point, I hadn't drank wine in years because I had given up drugs. I had given up alcohol for the calories. I didn't mm-hmm. want to do drugs because I didn't want to binge eat mm-hmm. uh, from the mm-hmm. munchies. And that week, I, that weekend that we just drove, I promised myself, I will never go back to this. I'm going to work on this. I am not going to let my career define who I am. And I, I truly believed that if I'm not an actor – I won't have these issues. So I took, I purposefully was like, I'm not going to look for a manager again. I'm not going to look for an agent. I don't know what I'm going to fucking do, but I'm just going to work on this body thing because I thought I was going to have a baby at that point. Okay. I thought I, I was ready to have a baby and I was like, I can't have a baby and like be like this yeah. anymore. I have to get my body in the best shape possible. In
0: your mind. And my mind.
1: Yeah. So I took that year and that's when I started the Actors Diet. Okay. I started it when, in 2009, when people weren't really blogging. Mm -hmm. So it was like, and no one was taking photos of their picture, (laughs) pictures of their food. Right. So (laughs) everyone was like, what the hell has happened to Lynn?
0: It probably felt so self-indulgent. Because it still feels that way now. Yes, (laughs) But it's more socially
1: acceptable. But at the time, I knew I had to hold myself accountable because I could never, if I posted every single thing that I ate, which was what the blog was, Mm -hmm. I couldn't eat too little and I couldn't eat too much. Like if I was to quote unquote overindulge, um, I would have to look at it the next day and post about it. And that year I learned so much. And one of the biggest things I learned was everyone has issues with food. Everyone. Chefs people who are home cooks, mm-hmm. like everyone who works with food, everyone has to eat. It's not just actors. It's so true. Everyone has fucking issues if you want to look at it that way. it's uh, The
0: more, uh, the whole food blogging and the, the popular Instagram influencers who are like the food girls and stuff, like Shut the Kale Up and all these very popular, they've started to come out. I don't know if you've any read any of these articles, but they've started to release these articles that's like, I have so many issues with food and I have, I have had to conquer a lot of demons and stuff. And oftentimes, the, the if you're constantly thinking about it, like cooks and chefs and people, Instagram bloggers who choose to think about it, it's a, whole, it's a whole bag of worms that you just think you put a socially acceptable title on a lot of times.
1: I love that you said that.
0: Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm so into this conversation.
1: Well, I just closed my blog um, the beginning of this year and it, I had been doing it for 10 years so 2009 until 2019 and but it morphed I, into something
0: it different, though.
1: When I when I so when I started, it was this online journal, and it it taught me how to um, be creative on my own terms. Hmm. You know, like exactly what you're doing right now with this podcast. Like you need a project to find an outlet, find an audience, find a way to connect, find a way to tell stories. Yeah. And suddenly, it was in my control, and I could take that energy literally that I was putting into counting calories about food, and put that into like. Oh, how do I photograph this? Yes. You know, how do yep. I make this? Like, I could. What I learned from um, my eating disorder specialist was you will never get rid of this obsession. Like, this addiction is not going to just be cut cold turkey. You have to replace it. And that's what I replaced it with. I took the unhealthy obsession, I made it into a healthy one, and it completely changed my relationship to food to the point where suddenly, Because I could eat whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. Everyone was sending me stuff. Chefs put stuff in front of me. Like, when you have literally five desserts in front of you, you don't eat all five. Right. Um, Like, all of them. I mean, you have a bite of all of them. You don't eat – you don't don't finish all of them. Whereas, like, back in the day, I was like, well, it's the last supper. Tomorrow, I'm not going to be doing this because I have to fit into, like, this size of a whatever. And, you know – like it just changed everything. Suddenly food wasn't the enemy, food was just there, food food wasn't my friend, it wasn't the it wasn't any of those things. It wasn't my source of comfort, it wasn't my salvation, it wasn't like my reason for living. Yes. It was just there. And it became my job. And I seriously during that time thought, "Okay." Because as I said, my career was like up and down. Um because the food world was opening up so much for me in such a big way. Um, my husband at the time worked for Buzzfeed and we started doing these videos together that went viral. And I started getting the attention of people who were like, you should host a food show and you're really good at this. And I was like, well, hmm, maybe I will transition into this. And it seemed to be happening very easily mm-hmm. for me. So I was like, okay, acting. Bye bye. I'm going to shift over to this. And I put my all into it. And, um, I realized that world is just as hard. <laughs> <laughs> like pitching and doing all those things. Like I, I, I realized suddenly like, oh, wait a second. People who do this really love food. They're chefs. Mm-hmm. The way to make money is you have a cookbook And you have your cooking show, and then you have your line of knives. And, like, that's how, that's the trajectory. And for me, it was like, no, I just like eating. Right. (laughs) Like, I don't want to actually do any of that. I don't want to write a cookbook. I don't even want to to write a book about this. Yes. So suddenly I was, like, really confused. But I will say that that whole journey really taught me about myself, who I am, um, how to tell a story, It taught me how to, like, edit videos, how to produce them. And all that comes to where we are today, which is that I just wrote, directed, produced, and starred in my first feature film, I Will Make You Mine. Yeah, she did. And I never would have done that had I not done 10 years of a food blog. It doesn't make sense, but it makes total sense.
0: (laughs) Well, you also spent all that time working on yourself, too. Yeah. Which is, you know, at the end of the day. It was because I
1: knew I could do it. Yeah. You know, like you doing this podcast knowing like, oh, so okay, what do I do? I buy mics. I set it up. Oh, it's I so put clean it out. cut. Like you just, you just do like, it. it. You exists, just go through it.
0: Like it exists when I put it out there. Yeah. Like I don't have to wait for someone else's permission or like for someone to pick me to do it. Like this is my, this is my
1: web series as people like to do. Like this is yeah. my, you know, it's you, you get it. It's, 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 that's exactly what making a movie is. You just do it. You just... I mean, you do it with the help of a shit ton of people, <laughs> but you just do it. You just take one, one foot in front of the other. And with this particular project, I knew I could do it because I was like, well, I had a podcast, I had a blog, uh, nobody like was Successful helping me do that. Successful on both ends. Like no one was helping me. I did it. I can do this. I can do
0: this. So you finished. So the the blog and the food and stuff. Did you just, did you um, pop back into acting? Did you uh, refine reps at some point? Yeah.
1: So yeah. So going back that year that I took off um, when I was doing the blog, I I seriously thought it was career suicide because I was like, oh no, if I admit I have a problem they're going to, like, not let me near the craft service table, you know? Like, they're just going to be, like, these producers, any producer that knows, like, I have eating issues is going to be, like, well, she's too risky. You know, she's going to, like, blow up, like, literally and not be able to fit into any of our costumes. Like, little did I know that actually sharing my truth suddenly connected me to people and made it so that when I was, like, schmoozing, all directors and producers want to talk about is food because everyone has issues with food, as I said before. And suddenly it took it off of me trying to impress someone and then me just sharing with someone. So when I was sitting next to a big producer at a dinner, we would have a talk about food because we'd be like, why are you photographing your food? And I'd be like, well, (laughs) this is what I do. do." (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then we'd have a conversation about it instead of like, I'm an actor put me in your next movie, which nobody wants to hear and nobody wants to talk about. You became a three-dimensional person. You had other things.
0: You had, like, you were able to conversate and have a common ground with people and there's nothing that does that quite, like, being honest. People told me not to call this one broke actress. They were like, oh, you're going to look like you're... And I'm like, you're all Instagramming the same picture from the last movie you did a year ago. Like, you're also trying to figure this shit out. Exactly. Let's be honest about it. Exactly. So yeah. You, so you did get back in it. Did you feel revitalized in a different way because you kind of had your shit together?
1: Well, I. It's what ha- ended up happening over the course of me being having the food blog is I naturally lost all the weight. I, I actually weight. I've been at the current weight that I am, which is less than I weighed when I did the ballet role. Oh wow. Um, for the last twelve years. Did you ever read the book Intuitive Eating? No, but I know all about okay. it. Yeah,
0: that's what I I just read it, and it kind of like changed my world. And I, it's, it it's sounds a great. Very I, similar it's a great concept. It's
1: sort of how I live it's my kind life. Of the same, yeah. yeah. Um, as simple as eat what you want, stop, when you're, stop full. when you're full. The
0: end. Stop worrying about what everyone else's diet, Instagram life is. Yeah. Too.
1: I mean, I also learned so much from the blog about when your audience plateaus, Mm -hmm. and when likes stop happening, you know, and um, how not to depend on other people for feedback, or to make you feel good about yourself, or to compare yourself to others, or versions of yourself. Like, I cannot compare myself to the version of myself that I was when I was like, starting uh, the blog because blog, people who read blogs were different than people. No one reads blogs now. So like yeah. once you start to like just focus on where you are right now, it, it's like very much like, you know, meditation, just being present of like appreciating exactly who we are at this moment right now because it's all we have control over. And that has helped me uh, not only with my career but with, my relationship with food. Um, I did go back to acting. I did have, like, moments where, like, I was just like, screw this, I'm done. And actually, a couple years ago, uh, I've had a lot of moments of, like, I'm done! But a lot of, like, you know how you always hear, like... The second you quit, it'll pull you back in. Uh I wasn't really done. I would be like, I'm done. And then I'd look over my shoulder and be like, you hear that, universe? (laughs) I'm done. And then nothing would happen. I'd be like, all right, I'm back. (laughs) Uh, uh, But I truly meant it at this moment a few years ago. So I wasn't able to have kids. Remember I said I was Mm -hmm. trying to have kids. And the lesson of... um, not being able to have children and coming to terms with that. And at the same time, around the same time, my father passed away, uh, very unexpectedly. And all of these things happening at once really just taught me oh, your dreams for yourself and the way you think life will be, because cosmically it just feels that way, like you yeah, feel it in your gut, um, it doesn't mean shit. Mm. And it's a harsh thing to say, but that was like a reality that I was being fed, no pun intended, at the time. And instead of being cynical about it, I was more like, all right, well, then I I let go. I release. I'm not going to like try to plan anymore i'm not gonna like goal set i'm not gonna do my vision boards i'm not gonna do the secret i'm not gonna do any of the shit i'm just i just release and my plan was to um stop acting uh as soon as i had i had a movie that i was put i was attached to an indie mm-hmm. film and um i was like I'm, i'll finish that indie film and then i'll be done and i'll do it in january after after i move because i was gonna You're gonna switch leave. apartments with my um with my my neighbor and I was like so you know that's stressful I'll wait until I'll wait until Uh then what ended up happening was uh, a movie that I had done the year before a short that I really did not expect to see the light of day like most (laughs) projects that I do (laughs) just just for fun yeah (laughs) yeah we just literally were doing it for fun Mm -hmm. Um, it ended up winning the NBC uh, shorts Fest. shut up and I ended up getting a holding deal with NBC which was like and and I did not expect to win so much because at that point I had received so many signs from the universe that I should not be acting that I was with my mom in New Jersey just like hanging out and I get a phone call and they're like you won and I was like shut up (laughs) and they're like you won and I was like oh well I guess well, I guess I gotta take this because it was, like, money and I didn't have another job. Did you write it? It
0: was, like, you... you, No, I was just... I was
1: in it. it. So, um... So, I also knew in winning it because I knew several other people who had won it that the holding deal also didn't mean shit. Like, I don't mean to be cynical again, Mm -hmm. but I knew that, like, very few people actually got... A job out of it. Yeah. You know? Uh, so I was like, okay, how can I use this year to my advantage? They're going to pay me to hold me for the year. What can I do? They're going to give me free acting classes. Well, I right. hadn't taken an acting class in 10 years because mm-hmm. the problem was, it wasn't that I thought I was better, it was that I felt I was too old at that point. Really? So, like, me going into a class with like, at that, at this point, I'm in my late 30s. Yeah. You know, I've already, like, gone through infertility issues, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't want to be in the same room as, like, the 20-year-old. kid who just came out of conservatory who's, like, ready to go. Yeah. And, like, it just, I, it, it didn't feel to me in my heart that, like, I could be vulnerable in that space. Mm-hmm. And, but at the same time, if they were paying for it, you know? <laughs> so what are what are the logistics of a holding deal? So if anyone doesn't know what that means. So for a holding deal, they negotiate a fee um, that where they hold you basically not to audition for other um, networks. And I was like, ha ha, joke's on you. I'm not auditioning. I don't do and, do it. <laughs> and uh so so I would like everyone listening to know this. You know, when you hear about pilot season, it's so crazy. Um I have gone through years where, yes, I was that person changing in the car. And I went to the place where, like, I was like, what's pilot season? Uh And it was like that for years for me. And while I watched my other friends, like, like I said, become movie stars, like TV stars, and complain that they tested for seven pilots and couldn't book one. And I was like, I literally can't even get a pre-read. Yeah. so I, w- I just want everyone listening to know that those years exist, and that is fucking normal because I just had, like, a crazy fucking pilot season this past year. You did? Year. yeah. That's and amazing. I had one last year, too. And I just want people to know you can come back from the dead. <laughs> <laughs> and that said, next year I might ha- it might be dead again because, like, things are dead for me now. I know things are, like, busy for other people yeah. also still. And I don't fucking care. You know why? Because that's the way it is, and I don't want to hear – I don't want to hear that, like, it's just grow, 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 grow. It's not. Like, if I can, like, impart anything, any theme on this podcast, it's the fucking roller coaster. Yes. And just be prepared for it. Just be prepared. It's fine. You'll live. Because I survived the infertility. I survived my dad's death. I survived all these things. And even though it felt like shit, I still survived it. I still, like, it was okay. Yeah. It was okay because it just was. And I'll always get through it. So now that things are good, I'm going to fucking appreciate it. It's fucking awesome. But, (sighs) well,
0: you had, it's one of those things that unfortunately, to see the the light of day, you have to see the dark of night. So you have to, the juxtaposition is the only thing that really makes you appreciate, which is kind of the unfortunate part about humanness in general. I was just thinking about today because it finally fucking stopped raining and it's like nice outside. Um, and I was like, oh, I forget the sun is really awesome. Exactly. But we had it
1: every day, so I didn't notice it. You, you have to go through it, unfortunately. Yeah. To appreciate it. But, you know, I just got back from South by Southwest where I had Oh, movie, amazing. And it was awesome. And I had been there in 2011, you know? Oh, before, cool. like, oh, a whole bunch of this stuff. And I remember back then, like, feeling, like, still that sense of, like, this is it. I've had so many moments of my life of, this is it. Yeah. You know? And... Not not to take away from, like, the excitement of those moments because um, very few times has this is it turned into it. (laughs) Um, But when I look back at those moments, I'm sort of like, oh, that wasn't it, and you know what? Totally fine. Totally, (laughs) totally fine. So I just don't get – it's not that I don't get upset. I feel the pain. I let myself, like, sit in my sweats and, you know – Be sad. Be sad with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But then – like, I remember that I got over the other stuff that yeah. felt impossible to get over, and I'll be fine. That's amazing. Yeah.
0: How did you get... Wait, okay, did the holding deal end up happening? Yeah, no? so I
1: had the holding deal. Oh, okay. And the best thing... The two best things that happened out of that holding deal was not a pilot, um, but... So I ended up taking I mean, a, a year's again. worth of
0: money, I'll take it, too, but what else? I know, I loved, I loved that.
1: I made, I made my health insurance that year, so oh, I was really, really yes. happy, um, but I ended, so I ended up going back into class, reluctantly, mm-hmm. but I did it, and what I learned was, I fucking needed it. Where'd you end up going? Uh, so I went to John Rosenfeld. Oh, that's where I go. Oh, really? Yeah. I love John, and, um, I met some great people, and... Very mixed, uh, age classes. Yes. I ended up in his Thursday night class eventually, um, which was more people that were my age. Yes. And I also loved his the audition class that they do, like on Thursdays where you um, can just bring in whatever material and just do mm-hmm. it. Um, so I took classes with John, and that sort of opened the floodgates to me for just taking every class. Yeah. So I took a class with him. I ended up taking Groundlings. I went to – I now study with Risa Ramon-Garcia at BGB Studios. Oh, cool. Like, I just, like – went hog wild on classes because I was, like, suddenly I was, like, what was I so afraid of? Like, I don't, like, these, yeah, this kid coming out of conservatory is young. He's but still there. They're freaking awesome Yeah, and talent, and yeah. I, like, want to, like, act uh, like next to them. Yeah. I don't have to, like, have lunch with them. <laughs> like, I don't need to, like – Talk on the phone with them or text them. We might not be friends, but, like, (laughs) I'll watch you do your scene. Yeah, exactly. I can learn a lot from these people still. And, like, I just love being around actors. I just love – I just fucking love doing it. And so it was, like, a really fun thing. So that was number one for me was, like, this reconnecting to acting class. How long ago was that? That was – God, when was that? That was, like, three years ago. Okay. Or two years ago. So not that long ago. Yeah, not that long ago. That's awesome. And then um, the other thing that happened was I – wrote for the first time, because I was like, hey, if they kept telling, they, when you have these meetings, they, like, blow smoke up your ass and tell you a lot of things, Uh Um, and one of the things they kept telling me was, like, and another thing we can do is we can set you up so that you, with the writers, and then you can develop a show, and I was like, "Uh uh-huh, I know that's bullshit, but (laughs) that said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write my own pilot, and I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to take you up on that, all right? And so I had never written anything before. But I was like, except your blog, but you don't you mean like blog. like a screen like a screenplay never or, a read pilot. A screenplay okay. or a pilot. But I had certainly read many of them, and I was like, I'm going to try this out. So I wrote a pilot about my infertility. Oh wow! And I um, sent it to my managers, and they were like, This is pretty good, Lynn. How
0: did you figure out how to do it? Did you did you like download like Final Cut or whatever I it is? Or
1: actually downloaded a template on Pages which is for Mac, um, that was like a free template and it just allowed you to... It's very similar to Final Draft. Final Draft, that's Um, something. But it's... um, but I downloaded that and I wrote it on that and I actually still have to transfer that copy over to Final Draft <laughs> uh, because now I have Final Draft and it's such a pain in the ass. Just get Final Draft, people. A- <laughs> um,
0: but it is costly, so if you just want to write to write, yes. you can write in pages. Oh, That's totally, good to know. Because totally. sometimes it's a little off-putting to be like, how the fuck do I format a script?
1: Right, exactly. It's and v- if you ever gotten the sides that are in like a
0: Word document and you're like, I don't trust any of this.
1: Yes, Exactly. <laughs> Yes. This is someone in the basement. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I wrote the pilot, and I ended up. Uh, it ended up going to the head of NBC comedy, and we ended up having like a meeting about it, and it just gave me the confidence um, to be like, oh, maybe I could write a little bit. And of course, everyone was like, when I was having my general meetings after that, was like, so you want to be staffed? Do you want to be a writer? And I was still like, oh no, I don't, I don't want to be a writer. Wa- I'm an actor. I don't, I don't want to be a writer. But it planted that seed in me that was like I could write.
0: Hmm. Well, yeah, you got a big seal of approval on your first script. That's amazing.
1: I know. As I'm saying this out loud, God damn, That's I do have a deal. lot of beginner's luck. I do. It still doesn't feel <laughs> that way though. Um, <laughs> but um, but so what ended up happening was with my movie um, a year ago, uh, Thanksgiving time, I was taking a hike with. Uh, this guy, Dave Boyle, who wrote and directed these two movies I had done in 2011 and 2012, called Surrogate Valentine* and *Daylight Savings*. They were it was a sequel. To, um, they were sequels, and they were shot in black and white for no budget. And I loved these movies, and um, I love Dave, and I love he's put me in a bunch of his films, and we're friends. And I just think he's such an amazing filmmaker. And um, I had always thought it was going to be a trilogy. So when we were hiking, I had found my DVD earlier, and it had been seven years, and the DVD says, The Trilogy. Um, So I said to him, hey, Dave, when's the trilogy going to (laughs) finish? Like, I'd really love to play Rachel again and find out who Go ends up with, because I'll... All the movies center around this guy named Go and we try to figure out who he ends up with. And there are these three uh, women. So it's in like his a lives. How I Met Your Mother romantic kind like, of thing. Like we just never knew who he ended. Like it was always a cliffhanger at okay. the end. So he was like, <laughs> Dave almost like looked at me like you're ridiculous. And he was like, it's n- never never gonna happen, Lynn. Never. <laughs> That's what is gonna happen, never. And I was like, what? What? I thought this was a trilogy, like the lowest budget trilogy ever made. You said that at South by Southwest. (laughs) Like, how can you lie to people? And he was like, it's it's never going to happen. I never want to make a movie for that little ever again. (laughs) Never. I mean, let alone two.
0: That's very impressive. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: He was like, what what else is there to say? And I was like, well, what if I tell the story? What if I make it happen? And he said to me, well, then, if you want to make it happen, I will produce it. And the second he said that, I was like, Ooh, I have, I have Dave's approval. Like he's really, okay. And that week, I don't know what happened, but I went home for Thanksgiving and on the plane ride back, I, it poured out of me like nothing I'd ever known before. And I wrote that script on the plane ride there and back, like immersed in it. I came back, and I was like, bam, but with, like, a PDF, not with, like, an actual script. <laughs> like, I took the PDF, and I was like, send, <laughs> send. Um, and I sent it to him and Go, and they both read it, and we're like, holy shit, I guess we're making a movie. Wow. So, long story short, or short story short, because it's only been a year, we kick-started it, we self-funded it, and um, we made it. It's in the can. I actually just watched a cut of it before I came here. Yes. Because, um... We've been testing it, and hopefully it will be released at the end of the year. But, like, all of this would not have happened had I not written that other script, had I not gotten that holding deal, had I not all of those things. And I will say this. I had two of the most heart-wrenching close calls with auditioning um, to two roles that I thought were this-is-it moments um, during that year. And, uh, one of them, I mean, one of them didn't happen and I expected it not to happen because mm-hmm. it was such a big deal that I was not, I was like, I was just grateful to be in the running for it. And the other one was so painful because it was such like, they really like, they were really horrible to me. Um, the, I'll tell you who afterwards. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but, um, it, it, those two situations were enough to, for me to be like, fuck it, I'm making my own.
0: Mm. this was like uh the the production people like the director producer were terrible
1: well i'll tell you what happened i won't tell you what what the show was or anything but basically um i had put myself on a Mm self-tape for for something i did not think i was gonna get because it was far above what i consider to be quote-unquote my league
0: did you get a request for
1: the self-tape or did you just decide to do it i i got a request for the self-tape okay and um I did it, and I heard nothing, and I didn't expect to hear anything. And a month later, I get a call, and it's like you are their only choice, and you are the choice, and you are the only choice. They're sending you forward to test. What? Uh, they're sending your tape forward to test. The next week, I hear you pass the test. Um, he wants. I love the to tape town. test. By the way, I know I love that too. <laughs> and the one that I just like did at home was yeah, please. It was freaking awesome, and I felt so great about it. You know, I was like, yes, all the hard work paid off, and he came to town and my the leading person had the leading man had come to town and we he wanted to take us out to lunch to celebrate and all i had to do was show up have lunch show up have lunch have an hour lunch thought it went great come home literally an hour later i get a call from my manager being like so they um didn't really think you and he had, like, chemistry, so they're reopening it up again. Oh, it was a chemistry read lunch. I had no idea that, would have been that lovely I was to know. even his love interest because <sighs> I didn't get a script. What? Because the sides I had made no mention of them. I had
0: no freaking clue. You were supposed to have lunch and also be flirting with him at the yeah. same time. As a person having lunch, not as the actor. That is yes. so insane.
1: But also during the lunch, the entire time he was talking, like I had the part, when you do this, when you like, like all of this stuff, when we begin shooting, when blah, 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 Uh blah, blah, So I really was like, it's hard not to take that personally. Absolutely. You know? And so for the next month, like, um, I just let it go. I was just like, fuck them. Fuck them. I don't want to like work with people who put me through that. Like, whatever. I don't care. So I go on and I find out I'm in, like, I'm pinned for this other huge role in a huge movie. And I was like, fuck yeah, awesome, great, this is it. That didn't happen because this is it. Level up, Lynn. It's like your middle Level finger up. to that well, like, show. Well, like, suddenly I felt to myself, like, I do belong in this group. Like, before I was like, I don't think I'm going to get these parts because I don't think I belong. But suddenly I was like, maybe I do belong. Hey, hey, what do you know? And uh, I was feeling pretty damn good. Yeah. And suddenly I get a call. Um, I didn't get that part, the part I was pinned for, but I didn't expect it, okay. to be honest. And then I get a call, like, out of the blue, and they're like, so they um, couldn't find the person, apparently, and the casting director is really rooting for you, and um, they want you to come and read, like, do a, do actual, like, chemistry read, like, at a, a formal audition. This was audition. the one for the show. Yes. Oh, by the way, before that, I had to write a groveling letter about the lunch. What I had to write a groveling letter to be like, I don't know what you like didn't see, but like, I want this part so bad. And I did. I meant every word I said in that letter, but I hated that I had to do that. Like you reject me and I have to come crawling back. Was it a guy? Yes. That's so gross. Yeah. I hate this. Yeah. So um, anyway, I had to go for that test. Was the, were they there? They were there. I mean, Fantastic. they were shooting the show as I was there, you know, I had, so I had to like walk past like everyone, did my, did my quote-unquote chemistry read, and at the end of the audition, the guy who I knew didn't want me comes up to me and he says to me, Lynn, you're a great actress, and that's when I knew I'm not getting this. No, yeah, that's a hard no. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, waste of your freaking time. I mean, it was a lot. A lot. Ugh, a isn't lot.
0: this business fun?
1: A lot. And the saddest part oh, was it's... I had such respect for these people. Such respect. I <gasps> like, they were, you know, like, they were people who I really, really admired and God, that's inspired such a me. So. It was a real heartbreak, but at the same time, it didn't destroy me by any means. It lit a fire under me. If anything, you're pretty resilient. Do
0: you realize that? I wasn't. That?
1: I wasn't always, though. I mean, I. I spent, feel like your life has made you this resilient. Well, the pain and the actual like physical suffering of my eating disorder were many years of like just. Trying so many years of trying to figure something out, and then realizing <laughs> there's nothing to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> none of it makes sense. Welcome um, to life. <laughs> stop, stop trying to make sense of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but at the same time, there's been so many moments of magic. Still, yeah. like despite like all of the, none of this makes sense. Like there's no hope. There's also been incredible moments of grace and something that I don't know what to call it except for, like, the hand of God. You know, like, those moments have happened also. So I'm just, like, trying to absorb it, be open to it, live it. Um, You know, I'm in my 40s now. No, you're not. I am. And I used to be afraid of saying that. Whatever you're doing, (laughs) it's working. Well, what it is, honestly, is just being vulnerable and but not like letting that vulnerability become your identity. Yeah. You know? That's a really hard line, especially in today's social media age where people will be rewarded. I was rewarded for being vulnerable. Yeah. You know? I became a spokesperson for the National Eating Disorders Association because of that. But just so cool that It right? was it was awesome. But like even that makes you realize like and what does that mean? <laughs> right. You know, really what does it what does it mean? Like it's 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 a balance of like feeding your ego sometimes and then like also keeping your ego in check. And like I don't know. Like life is so hard enough. Sometimes I'm just like, why do we make it so complicated? It really isn't. That's just like the lesson I keep learning over and over and over again, which is like I just want to like, before I, I, when I was thinking, oh, God, I should never say that I'm in my 40s. But now I'm like, why not? Yes. Why not? Like, I plan on doing this. Uh, for a while, uh-huh. so and it's there on IMDb. If anyone right. really wants to see it, they're going to see it. If like that if a hard if fought SAG lost, <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I was there like the day I thought it was supposed to switch over, and I was like, God damn it! Oh well. If anyone well, doesn't
0: know about this SAG fought to change the IMDb has an open platform that you can have people's ages on, which is
1: neither here nor there.
0: But it's mm. there.
1: Mm-hmm. It's there, and I'm done pretending. Yes. I'm done pretending I'm something I'm not. Oh, that's beautiful.
0: That was so awesome. Wait, <laughs> uh, uh, but you, this whole time you've had – and we're we're just at an hour, so if you need to go, let me know. But if I can have you for like a few more minutes. I'm good. Um, this whole time you had a home base. You had your husband. Yes. Who swept you off of the floor in your heap to wine country. How How has it been being married in Hollywood? Because sometimes it can be tumultuous, mm-hmm. I think. Um, because your husband is involved with the business, but he's not an actor. Um, so how do you maintain a healthy relationship in Hollywood while you're trying to maintain a healthy relationship with yourself?
1: I have to really give props to my husband because he is definitely my rock. And, you know, a lot of people say you do need like some, some sort of like a base, Mm -hmm. you know, in order to survive this industry because, it is such a roller coaster that you need something to hold on to someone to hold on to that said because i met my husband when we were kids mm-hmm. <laughs> in college junior year is when we met wow. uh, 21 years ago we we really allowed each other to fuck up mm-hmm. you know like we were so young that like we allowed each other to grow and because of that we still allow each other to grow We don't expect one another to have it figured out. We don't expect one another to, like, make this choice and then, like, stick to it. Yeah. (laughs) Because we've seen each other change our minds constantly and adapt and grow and and not grow (laughs) and regress quite a bit. And each moment of just being like, all right, I'm here. I understand. But something I had to learn about my husband, and I learned this not only through my career, but my eating disorder, was that he couldn't fix me. He could never fix me. He could never be the one. Like, no matter how many times he tells me, you're beautiful, I love you, you're loved, like, you got it, nothing's wrong with you. No matter how many times he said that, and no matter how many times I know he means it, it still has to come from me, no matter what. Yeah. And, you know, with my eating disorder, he really tried to fix things. He really did. And it wasn't until he was like, yours to fix. I'm just here. Mm. That's when I could finally, finally get better. It's very hard to watch
0: someone you love
1: suffer and not be able to just fix it. Yeah. I mean, and also, you know, like with my career, I think initially, you know, it was really hard for him because that first movie I did, I was naked in and I Mm. did a love scene and I don't know if it's still big. Mr. Skin was big back then. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. <laughs> I don't know if, like, even if it exists anymore. Like, there's just so much now. I know. Uh, honestly. You could probably just type in YouTube and see my boobs. But um, <laughs> I remember him being so upset because he was like, you're going to be on Mr. Skin. <laughs> like, 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 suddenly, like, you're not mine anymore. You know? Yeah. And he also hated, like, going to – red, he still doesn't love it. He doesn't love, like, holding my purse on a red carpet, I know. Like, Caleb already – he like, hates – It's like, just like I'll be like, on the other side of yeah, the Yeah, he's just repeat. like, bye, bye, bye. Uh-huh. Um, but as the years have gone on, like, he gets it. Yeah. And he just accepts it. And, and you know, like, he's also in the industry, too, so, like, I have to do stuff for him as well. Yeah. You know, it, it's – It's been interesting, like as as our careers have grown, of like how we have to start to. It's just a job. It's just like what we have to do for each other. So it's like I hate to sound ungrateful about it, but it's like taking out the garbage. You know, like it's just a part of it right now. Um, And like sometimes it's fun and enjoyable. Like South by Southwest was awesome. Oh, did he get to go to? Oh, it's so Um, fun. Even though like he was like, I'm gonna have to work weekends now to like. (laughs) To, to go and, you know, support you. But, like, he knew I needed that support. And he was great about it. But he's not coming with me to San Diego when I go <laughs> in a few weeks. <laughs> he's, like, one thing at a time. Yeah.
0: Um, I could actually talk to you for, like, two more hours. But I won't make you stay here for much longer. Um, is there anything – if there was one thing – we there were so many moments in this podcast that I can't wait to, to share with people. But if there was one thing – that you wish you knew when you moved out here or that you could impart on actors when they move out here? Um, It could be something we've covered or not so far. Um, What would that thing be?
1: I think... I think it's... that nobody knows what they're talking about. (laughs) Not even me! I mean, because you will hear so much advice... Yeah, You know, so much advice. And here's the thing. I'm a podcast junkie and advice junkie as much as anybody. You know, I love listening to, like, what someone has to say and, you know, pocketing that little nugget. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, the more, like, friends with, like, producers and heads of studios and quote-unquote people that are supposed to intimidate us that I meet, the more I'm like, they don't know what they're talking (laughs) about. (laughs) Really, everyone's got – imposter syndrome, the same way everyone's got food issues. We're all just human beings. We don't We don't know all the answers. Don't you think if we knew how to make a cash cow, we'd make a cash cow? So if someone's telling you to lose weight, that your pictures aren't good enough, that you need to do this, 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 and this, and you're not feeling it in, like, your gut that, like, you can make that happen in a way that's, like, pleasant, that like isn't going to kill you that you like don't feel like I don't wanna, you know, <laughs> like like I don't I don't think you should have to make that decision. Mm-hmm. You know, like people I wasted so much time listening to what I thought I should do. Mm-hmm. Just way too much time.
0: God, that's so true.
1: And there's a lot of painful moments where I could have been in a freaking sauna like <laughs> <laughs> meditating <laughs> and relaxing when I was, like, really killing myself mm-hmm. mentally and physically. Um, and I think take that advice when you need it, when it's helpful. But honestly, you have to be your own best friend in this industry because – people are going to tell you things that make you smile and people are going to tell you things that tear you apart and all you can do is just be kind to yourself, treat yourself like the way you would your best friend because it's just hard enough. Mm -hmm. Life is hard enough, not just this industry. Every bit of life can be really challenging and I just feel like I just feel like when you got people, like, (laughs) telling you things that don't ring true for yourself, it's probably not for you. For you. Exactly. (laughs) So true. Exactly. And also, when you're hearing signs from the universe um, that, like, you're supposed to give up or signs from the universe that you're supposed to keep going, um, I would say... (laughs) um, don't take it too seriously (laughs) (laughs) because I have examples of both (laughs) and um, I don't really think like I needed to be freaking out about those signs as much as I did. Yeah. You know,
0: take it with a grain of salt, just like other people's advice. Yeah. (laughs) Universe, you go in that category. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Is there anywhere you want to tell people to go? Um,
1: for any projects you've done recently, or your social media, or anything like that. Um, well, uh, you just go to lynchen.com. It's all awesome. there, all the everything. Awesome, <laughs> and people can still check out the Actors Diet. Does it still exist? It, if you type in the Actors Diet.com, it'll go straight to my website blog, okay. which I like. Well, uh, I you know, even though I closed it, mm-hmm. like the Actors Diet, and I still like love doing it. It's just nice to so, have a platform to yeah. put things sometimes. Like, I like I just went to South by Southwest. I wanted to put my pictures somewhere just so I could look at them, yeah. you know? Like, when I travel, I want, still want to do it. It's for me. It's not for anyone else. But, you know, you can be there to look at it <laughs> if you want to. But, like, I just sort of like having that – I like I like having that place for it. Yeah. It was how I learned to communicate for 10 years. So I have to – Keep, Keep it up! Yeah, don't make it all. I go mean, away. Squarespace allows you to have a blog, so I why not? <laughs> well, I know
0: <laughs> it's such a nice all-in-one platform. When they're ready to sponsor this podcast, <laughs> um, okay. Thank you so much. This was. Oh, this is exactly what I needed on a Wednesday night, and I feel like I just got a breath of fresh air. I could not have needed this more. Thank you. Oh, so thank much. you
1: so much for saying that. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having this platform. It's very important. Oh, and we met f- via a Miss in the
0: Biz. Oh, yes, I that's didn't even right. say that. That's we right. We both
1: wrote for it. They are wonderful.
0: Wonderful, biz and that's in the biz. That'll be attached here too. It's a. Uh, it's all. It's like the blog of women in the industry of I have kinds.
1: to say today like the way you guys all we all we all have it not just you guys like everyone in the world has access to like things so today my. that we would have killed for back in the day literally just had one book that I dog-eared and wrote in and that was it that was my bible right. and it wasn't even a well-written book <laughs>
0: <laughs> so many acting books on that shelf from college and I'm like no stuff. Those are irrelevant
1: now. No, <laughs> yeah, none of single one Yeah, how to relevant. act for a camera. None of it is relevant. Uh,
0: and uh, and actually, wait. Did
1: you you do audiobooks? Yeah. Well, just one. I did, did one audiobook. You, was it Crazy Rich Asians? It was Crazy Rich Asians. Bef- the day
0: I'm going to sound like a psycho at the very end of this podcast. Then right before we had that meetup where I met you, I had just finished listening to that book on Audible. That's. And you sat down and you started talking and I was like, oh, fuck. This is so (laughs) embarrassing, but I feel like I know her so well because I just listened (laughs) to her for like 15
1: hours. That's so funny. That's the only one you've done? Yes. And, well, I know you you? look shocked, but that's my point. (laughs) That's my point. I did I I, I narrated like the number one bestseller on Audible uh, this past year and in years in past – do you know who's called me to do an audiobook? No one. Really? No one. But it was so good. Yeah. But that said, you know why I don't care? It's hard. Yeah, that's I've a heard, really, it's a, it's heard it's really It's a difficult really difficult process. A uh, process that doesn't pay very well. And you so know who sees says. zero residuals? Um <laughs> The reader. That's zero. That's unfortunate. So, yeah, I. Um, I'm not heartbroken about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if somebody wants to call me to do an audio book, <laughs> You have a great audio on this podcast. <laughs> uh, I've done it before, but I, um... How funny. Yeah, that's my that's my point. Yeah. Do not think that just because dot, 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 that means dot, dot, dot. And anyone who tells you otherwise doesn't know what they're talking about. Oh,
0: God, that's so true. Well, I felt so like a stalker when I met you. just
1: so. <laughs> the end.
0: That's so awesome. <laughs> um okay cool well on that note we will just close things out um thank
1: you again thank you
0: guys I'll talk to you in just a bit oh that brings us to the end of today's podcast guys that's the last episode of the season Woohoo! we made it 12 episodes in thank you so so much for listening I cannot thank you guys enough I know I say it every week but I truly truly mean it uh, I'm glad that I can give you some sort of content to make this world feel a little more of a community than a crazy roller coaster ride. Uh, thank you for staying subscribed also to the podcast. Don't delete me out of your podcast feed because. There might be some extra content coming up between now and the next podcast season, which will hopefully be before the holidays this year. So don't go anywhere. I'm still here. Season five is already in the works with a full list of incredible guests. Uh, I also want to say thank you so, so much for those of you who are on the newsletter. That is also going to have some good stuff. So make sure you're not going anywhere And the follows on Instagram, blah, 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 blah. You guys know the drill. Uh, Also, heads up, SAG voting is coming up. If you have not checked into the inner workings of SAG and you're a member and you're getting all this paperwork in the mail that is not a residuals check, that is actually materials about voting, please make sure you vote. Please make sure you educate yourself before you vote. That's my PSA. You might be hearing from me again shortly. Thank you so much to Laurel Canyon Creative for all of your production help and social media help this whole season. You guys, if you haven't checked out at One Broke Actress on Instagram, they have really revamped the whole platform for me laurel canning creative and cecilia especially have been so helpful to me if you guys are looking to have a different social media presence redo your website blah 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 check them out while you're at it check out maggie zabo she has some really cool music coming up and she is just an incredible singer who sings our theme song and guys i will talk to you in a few weeks